All right. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Now, we're going to jump around a lot tonight, uh, but we're going to be in Hebrews 1 and 2 a couple different times, and so uh, if you want to have your Bible open somewhere, that's probably a good place to start off with. All right, now, for the next seven weeks, or the next seven Sunday nights, one of these we've got a, uh, the, the fifth Sunday singing, we're going to be looking at seven things that the Bible doesn't say that that sometimes we think, or people think, it's in the Bible. And so uh, this morning we're looking at the, the things that, that, that is often said of um, when someone passes away, we say, uh, or, or some say, heaven uh, just got another angel. And so tonight what we're going to look at is, is what the Bible actually says about that. Uh, because here's what we're going to find out. Let me go ahead and just tell you our end result here at the beginning so you know what we're building to. When we say that heaven gains another angel, when we think of someone who, is, who has died, who has gone to heaven, that they kind of join the angels and that they become an angel, when that's the, if we believe that or, or the stance that we take uh, is that, we're really kind of shortchanging um, what God has done for us. We're kind of shortchanging the position that He places us in uh, once we get to heaven. Um, and we're kind of just leaving ourselves uh, shorthanded and not fully embracing everything that the Bible tells us uh, about uh, once we get to heaven. And so tonight, we're just going to kind of take a, a very brief overlook of uh, what angels are and what their roles are. Now, we're not going to cover everything that the Bible says about angels. We could spend several weeks looking at that. Uh, but we're going to look at kind of some of the basics of, of what an angel is. We're going to look at what makes us different from an angel. And then we're going to look at um, kind of our end result, kind of what we build to, and, and why, why heaven is so much better than us becoming angels. Uh, now, sometimes we say that because it, it, sounds, uh, it sounds nice, it sounds sweet, it sounds encouraging. Um, but hopefully what we'll see tonight is that uh, the truth of what the Bible says is so much greater, so much better, and, and really so much deeper. So, um, what does the Bible have to say about angels? What are angels? What are their roles? Uh, what do we know about them? Now, there's not just a whole lot of sections in the Bible that just say, here's what an angel does. In fact, most of the time where we see any kind of uh, recognition or acknowledgement of an angel, it's, it's really in the middle of a story. And so as we kind of look at these, we're just kind of jumping from story to story trying to see what we can learn about angels. In fact, one of the biggest places that talks about angels is Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. But it's talking about angels in the sense of uh, how, how Jesus is so uh, far or so much greater than the angels. The author of Hebrews, as he writes this, apparently uh, the, 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 the audience that he writes to were, were somewhat fascinated uh, with angels. Um, not to the extent of, of worshiping them, but, uh, but might have prayed to them, uh, might have given them a little bit more prominence than, than, than where God actually has them. Uh, and so... Paul, or the, the author of Hebrews, uh, writes to them and begins his letter showing them how much greater Jesus is than the angels. So really that's kind of the biggest spot that we see um, about what angels are. So we're going to pull a couple of verses from there as we go on tonight. Uh, so that's why I said you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. But uh, I've got a, five or six things of what the Bible tells us about angels. And the first thing, the, the, where we just need to start is that, is that they are made to worship God. 
Isaiah chapter 6, we have that, that great story of uh, Isaiah, he is praying and, and as God is calling him to his missionary work, God kind of sets down where he's at and, and Isaiah has this vision of, of God on his throne, this very powerful vision and it talks about surrounding his throne. There are angels there who 24-7 for all of creation or for all of eternity, this is what they do, Isaiah 6-3. And it says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. One of the purposes of angels is to cry out the greatness of God. Now we see this same story in, in several other locations when, um, like Ezekiel and John, uh, when they have these, these visions of God on His throne, God is always surrounded by these angels that cry out and proclaim the goodness and the greatness of God. Their whole purpose, their whole existence is to stand there and cry out and praise and worship God for who He is. So one of the first things that we know about angels is they worship God. Secondly, one of the things we know about angels is they are God's messengers. So often we see in in different stories in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament with Gideon being called to lead Israel, whether it's the New Testament with with, um, Mary being told that she's with child or with an angel coming down and telling Joseph in his dream that, that it's okay to marry Mary, uh, or in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, when the angel comes down and tells Zechariah that his wife is with child. Let me read this to you. It says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So we see this a lot in the Bible. We see these angels that come down to give a message to, uh, to someone that God is trying to get a hold of, that God is, is working in their life, that God is moving them to do something. Oftentimes, God will send an angel to deliver this message. Now, we see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the Gospels. We don't see it much outside of that uh, because the Holy Spirit has come and that's primarily how God speaks. The Bible is being written. The Bible is being uh, compiled. And so the New Testament. And so uh, the need for that, that, that messenger angel is not nearly as strong as it once was. Uh, but we've seen that they are messengers of God. Next, uh, they minister to believers. All right, if you got your Bible open, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Now, all the way through Hebrews 5 to 14, um, well, let's just read uh, some of the verses, just so you get the idea of what, uh, of what the author is doing here. Verses 1 through 4, he talks about uh, the greatness of Jesus and who Jesus... Well, let's just read it, just because it's a good passage. Let's start in verse 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Now, here's where He talks about Jesus. Whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So Jesus was part of creating the world. Verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So in that passage, the author of Hebrews is saying, look, 
Jesus, because of who he is and what he has done, he is superior to the angels. So as these people, for whatever reason, struggled with maybe praying to angels or looking to angels or exalting angels, the author of Hebrews is saying, look, Jesus is infinitely greater than the angels. He is far more superior. The name that he has inherited because of what he has done, that he has redeemed us, the, the things that he has done, exalt him. And because he's God, the, the, the exact imprint of his nature exalts him above the angels angels. So let's look at verse 5. He kind of gives some of these illustrations. He says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. So God has never said to an angel that you are my son. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So the angels were worshiping Jesus when he was born to Mary. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So he calls Jesus a son, but the angels he calls ministers. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So in all these things, he's just lifting up and exalting the name of Jesus. So let's jump over to verse 14. He says, are, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So we've seen how the angels were there to worship God and how they're messengers of God. But also we see that angels are ministers to those who will inherit salvation. They are there to minister to believers. Angels, God uses angels in a, in a, in a supernatural way to minister to us. Now... Does it go into a whole lot of detail? We don't know what that looks like. But we understand one of the purposes of an angel is to minister to Christians, to come along and minister us in some kind of spiritual way. In fact, flip over to Hebrews chapter 13. Look at Hebrews 13 too. As the author of Hebrews is kind of beginning to close out his letter, um, he's kind of given some reminders. In verse 1, he says, Let brotherly love continue. In verse 2, he says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for therefore some have entertained angels unaware. And so in some capacity, in some way, in some form, uh, as angels minister to us, uh, sometimes as we show compassion uh, to other people, to strangers that maybe God brings along our way, sometimes the author of Hebrews says those are actually angels. And so God has created angels, yes, to worship Him and to be His messengers, but also to minister to us on His behalf. Next, we're going to see that they were created beings. Now, angels are not eternal the way God is. Only one being is perfectly eternal in the fact that there is, there is no beginning and there is no end. And that is God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The triune God. The Trinity. Now, us, we have a creation point and we will live for eternity, whether that's in heaven or in hell. Uh, but we are eternal beings with a starting point. But so are angels. Angels were created. They have not always been. Uh, but they did have a starting point. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible that specifically says this is when angels were created or when angels were made. And so as you read and as you study, there's, there's, there's really two, two thoughts. 
there's either one thought that says angels were created before, um, before God even started the creation. Maybe they've been around for billions of years. Um, not that their worth has been around for billions of years, but, but maybe they were created billions of years before God even created the earth. Uh, but we know that they had to be made uh, and had to be created uh, before uh, creation, before creation was finalized. And then there's another school of thought that says that angels were created uh, somewhere between day one and day three of creation. Let me give you a couple of verses. Uh, Genesis 2.1 says, And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. That, that host there uh, being the, the host of angels, an angel, uh, angelic host. That's referring to uh, angels. Uh, and so they were created at some point before uh, the sixth day, or before the seventh day of creation. Now Job 38 uh, verses 4 through 7 says this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? Or, or, what were the, or, or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? So this is when God is talking to Job. And he's saying, were you there when I did all of this? And then in verse 7 he says, When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. So in that passage, he's talking about when God created the the earth. God uh, made the dry land come out on on the third day of creation. And so those angels there, those those morning stars, the sons of God, that's referring to angels right there, they were obviously around um, at the point of, uh, by day three, to see God uh, create dry land on the earth. And so if you go back to Genesis, and it talks about on the first day He created the heavens and the earth, and that that all things were created through Him. Um, You could take a stance that somewhere on day one or day two, probably day one, God created the angels, uh, and on day three they uh, rejoiced when God uh, lifted up the, the, the dry land out of the sea, where He made dry land. Now... Does it matter when the angels were created? No, not really. It's just fun, at least fun for me to think about. Um, so, but, but they are created beings. That's one thing that we walk away knowing, that, that just like you and me, angels had a starting point. They were created. Next, not only were they created, but they're, they're spiritual beings. If we look at that uh, verse in Hebrews chapter 1 again, Hebrews 1.14, it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? They are spiritual beings. They're not fleshly uh, the way you and I are. They don't have bodies. Now, there are times what we've seen in the Old Testament and that, that Hebrews 13, 2 passage tells us that there might be times where they appear uh, in, a, in, a, in, a bodily, in a bodily form, uh, but they are spiritual beings. So uh, they are different from us. And in, even our, in our creation, there is a difference because we are fleshly beings. We have a, an earthly body, uh, with, but there's a spiritual aspect to us. Uh, there's a spiritual aspect that will live for eternity. Our bodies may fail, but our spirit lives eternally. Whereas angels are, uh, are spiritual beings that, that sometimes can take on some kind of aspect of flesh when they come as messengers or when the, we are entertaining angels unaware. 
So that's just kind of a brief overview of some of the things that we understand and that we know about angels. They worship God. Uh, they're God's messengers. Uh, God uses them to minister to us. Uh, they were created, uh, and uh, they are spiritual. So they're different in their, in their formation. They're different in, in their creation than you and, and me. So what are some things that... The, calls us to be different from angels. And this is where the, the rubber starts to hit the road. This is where it starts to get important. This is where we begin to see why it's far better for us to be, to be us than to be an angel, especially once we uh, get to heaven. So how are different angels different than us? One, we are created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 says this, And then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are unique in all of creation. As God is a triune God, as, as God created uh, creation, uh, as He created the angels, as He created the animals, and as finally He created uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, we were different because we were made in the image of God. We were made with the, the, the capacity for, for love that God is. We were made with the capacity for emotions like God. We were made with that eternal soul that lasts forever. We were made with a connection uh, to God. We were made and given uh, the ability to, to choose. We were made in the image of God in a different way than the angels were. When, when all of creation is laid out before God, we are God's most treasured aspect of creation. We are the ones that that are made in His image. We are the ones that were created to be the sons and daughters of God. We were the ones that that He had a special relationship with. Remember, He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day and spent time with them. He didn't do that with the other animals. He didn't do that with the rest of creation. He didn't do that with the angels. What we've seen so far is the angels, they existed to praise Him and to serve Him. For us, there was relationship. A relationship that is different than what He had with the angels. A, a personal relationship built on, on love and desire and, and him wanting what is best for us. We are made different from the angels because we are made in the image of God. And we are made different from all of creation because we are made in the image of God. That is a very big and a very important thing for us to, to comprehend and understand. And it's another reason why, why we need to start thinking that once we get to heaven, we're different from the angels because we were made in Christ or in God's image. And once we've placed our faith and trust in Christ, when we get to heaven, we are made perfect to be as Jesus was. Not that we're God, but we will be perfected. As Jesus had that perfect body after he was resurrected, we are going to be perfected. No sickness, no, no death no sadness, no sorrow. We are going to be perfected in a way that we are going to be different. We'll see in a a little bit later, but even greater than the angels. Because, and it starts with us being created in God's image. Next, we see that Jesus died for our sins. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1. I just want us to read this verse together because it's it's a a good passage. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12.
It was Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. If you hit 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you've gone too far. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Now, this is a great passage. This is, this is a passage that, that, that really you could preach on just on it and spend a good bit of time on. But let's just kind of overview it. Uh, so 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12 says this. Concerning this salvation, so concerning our salvation, concerning Jesus and the cross and, and what he has offered us. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So the, the prophets of the Old Testament, as God spoke to them, setting the stage for Jesus Christ, setting the stage for the gospel. Verse 11, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating uh, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. So the Old Testament prophets looking forward to the cross of Christ where he died, looking forward to um, the resurrection uh, when he was glorified in the ascension. As the Old Testament points us to Jesus. Verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. So they understood that the things they were prophesying would not be seen in their time, but at a future time, what we have now experienced. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So the good news that we've heard, the gospel that we've heard, the Holy Spirit who has enlightened our hearts to this. This is how he closes out. Things into which angels long to look. We have sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of God's glory. And because of that, God has loved us so much that He sent Jesus Christ. And, and what this passage is saying is the Old Testament prophets, as they, as they looked forward, as God kind of used them to prophesy about the coming Messiah, to prophesy about Jesus Christ coming and dying for us and, and being risen again and offering eternal life. As they prophesied towards this, they understood that it was not for them in their time, but it was for us in the future, for what we would experience once Jesus uh, died and was, was buried and resurrected. And then he said, it's things in which angels long to look. Now, all of us are sinners, but not all of the angels are sinners. We don't know how many angels there were created. Uh, we're told that there was a multitude. Uh, but we're told um, that when Satan, uh, who was probably uh, the chief of the angels, or at least uh, one of the only three that we have a name for... Um, when he decided, as Isaiah says, that he wanted to be like the most high God, that he wanted God's position, he wanted God's power, he wanted God's authority, he wanted to be God, and he rose a rebellion up against God that a third of the angels went with him. Now, once again, we don't know the number, we just know a third of a multitude, so however many that is. A third of them rose with him to rebel against God, and God defeated them and cast them out of heaven down to earth. And there was no offer of redemption. There is nothing in the Bible that tells us that the, the idea of redemption, the concept of, redemp of redemption or forgiveness was offered to the angels. We are different from the angels in the fact that we have been offered forgiveness. We have been offered mercy. We have been offered love and grace. Now, the angels have seen God. If you remember over in James, it talks about um, 
how even the, the, the demons uh, believe in God and they shake in fear. They have been in His presence. They have seen Him and they chose to rebel and have been cast out of His presence. And there is no, uh, there's only justice waiting for them. Once the end times are finished, once Satan is cast into the fiery pit, his angels will be cast with him and there is no offer of mercy. There is no offer of grace. There is no offer of forgiveness. That is reserved for God's for God's favored creation, which is mankind. That is reserved for those who are created in the image of God. We are not angels. We, we really don't want to be angels because angels do not experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do not experience grace and mercy and forgiveness and that love that God has offered to us in a very real and personal way. It says that the angels look, or they long to look, they long to understand, they long to, to they understand, they've seen God, and even those who did not rebel against God, The idea of God's love and mercy and grace being offered in this way, yes, they rejoice when we accept Christ, but there's a part of them that does not fully fully grasp it because they do not experience because grace was not offered to them. For the two-thirds that stayed, yes, they have been perfectly obedient. They have never experienced failure. But to the third that did, there was no offer of redemption. Yet for mankind, 100% of us have fallen. And God offers His grace. God offers His love for all who will turn to Him and accept that forgiveness, that grace, that mercy, that salvation is freely offered and freely given. We are different because Jesus died for us to give us an opportunity for salvation. Next, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. We're going to see that through Jesus, we have been adopted into God's family and are joint heirs with Jesus. Let's read verses two and 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, For it was fitting that He, that's meaning God, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the the founder of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through suffering. For He, being Jesus, who sanctifies, um, and those who are being sanctified, that's us, all have one source, that's God. That is why He is not ashamed to call them brothers. Now, Kind of, we started off the beginning talking about angels and what their roles were and what their purposes were. We saw that angels were there to worship God. So we, we have that same purpose. We are created to worship God. We saw that, that angels were the messengers of God and, and the ministers of God. And we, and we kind of convey that same, that same role too. We are to, uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are to minister to one another, minister to other believers. But there's a huge difference here that we see between the roles and the position of angels and what we have in Christ. Look again at the end of um, of verse 11. It says, That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. When we accept Jesus Christ, God adopts us into His family. And we are made joint heirs with Christ. We are the brothers and sisters of Christ. Now once again, that does not mean that we're God. But it means that we are His brothers. We share the same um, privileges as being the son of God or the daughter of God that Jesus did. Uh, We're going to see in a second that we will help uh, in judgment. We will help in reigning. Uh, We will be a part of his family. 
Angels, yes, redemption was never offered, but also adoption was never offered. They were never brought into God's families. They stay servants. They stay ministers of God, which is an awesome role and an awesome spot for them to be in. But how awesome is it that we are not just ministers, we are not just servants, but we are the sons and daughters of God. That that because of what Jesus has done for us, because He has sanctified us and is sanctifying us, He finds pleasure in calling us brothers, calling us sisters, calling us His joint heirs, His siblings in Christ to the Father, that we have a special relationship with God that the angels will never, ever for all of eternity experience because we are the sons of God, we are the brothers and sisters of Christ, and that is something that the angels do not get to experience. Yes, they're messengers and servants, and that is awesome, and that is how God created them and what God has created them for, but what God has given us is so much greater, infinitely greater than what He has given the angels. Because we are God's children. They are not. It's almost like if you had a, if you're super rich, you've got your servants, your, your butlers and your maids, and, and, and yes, they have their role, and, and maybe you treat them really well as the, as the head of the household, but they're not your children. They're not your son or your daughter. They don't, they don't get the inheritance. They don't, they don't get the, the, the perks of being a son or daughter. Maybe they get treated really well. They've got a, a great health plan. You pay, pay them really well. They've got a, a great purpose in life. But it's not being a child. It's not being the son or the daughter. And so God has adopted us. He has brought us into His family so that it, Jesus is not ashamed to call us Brothers and sisters. And then uh, the last thing. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll look at verses 2 and 3. Y'all didn't know we were doing Bible drills tonight, did y'all? Now, in this passage, uh, Paul is, is writing to the church, and, and apparently in the church at this time, there were um, Christians who were suing other Christians, and Paul's writing to them saying, look, uh, as a Christian, you should not sue uh, another Christian. Uh, as, as believers, y'all should be able to work that out together uh, outside of, of judges, outside of the courts, outside of the legal system. Now, let's look at verses 2 and 3 as he's kind of introducing this idea. He says, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you not incompetent uh, to trivial cases? Verse 3, do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than pertaining matters to this life? We are to judge angels. Those angels that sin, those angels that rebel, those angels that fail, as they will be cast into the, the lake of burning fires. They will be cast into the pit at the, end of, uh, at the end of time as we enter into eternity. We are going to be there with Jesus, reigning and judging and ruling those who have fallen. That God, when He saved us, God, when He redeemed us, God, when He adopted us, God, when He brought us into His family, God, when He gave us the promise of heaven and the promise of eternity, 
He raised us up higher than the angels. We have a position in eternity. We have a position in our relationship and family with God that is greater, far greater than that of the angels. So that we are even given authority to judge those angels when it comes to judgment time for those angels being sent into the pit with Satan with whom they uh, rebelled with against God. That we have been given a position. We have been given a spot. We have been given a, a relationship with God that far trumps that of the angels. So when we say heaven gained another angel, one, we understand that, look, if you said that, I'm not trying to, to bash you or say that you're bad for saying that, but I want us to understand what the Bible tells us. And the Bible tells us that, that no, we're not made angels and heaven has not gained another angel. Heaven has had another son or daughter come to be with the Father. Heaven has had a child come home. Heaven has had someone that God has loved and sent His Son to die for and to redeem, has been brought into the fold, has been made perfect, has been made whole, has, has left the, the realm of sin and suffering and temptation and failure, and has been made perfect and complete with the Father, worshiping Him and seeing Him face to face and praising Him for all of eternity. Yes, angels are going to be in heaven with us. But the position that we have been given, the, the grace that we have been shown, the gift that we have been given through Jesus Christ moves us up far greater than the angels. So that even if we were made angels when we got to heaven, we would be taking a step down from where we're actually at. We would be taking a step down from what we've actually been promised. The relationship, the love, the perfection, the, uh, the grace that we've been offered through the gospel, the, the position of authority and power as joint heirs with Christ. If we were made angels, then all of that goes away and we are given something less than what we've been promised. Heaven is an awesome place for believers because of everything that Jesus has done for us. It's an awesome place for believers because of who God is. It's an awesome place for, for believers because of the promises given to us of, of what Jesus Christ has done for us and what we have waiting for us. And yes, God has made the angels. And... and they have their purpose, but we are not to praise them. We are not to worship them. We are not to exalt them. We are to be like them and praise and worship God. In fact, whenever you see an angel show up on the scene in the Bible and whoever they come to begins to worship them or bow down to them, they say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worship me. I'm a, uh, I'm a worshiper just like you. I'm just here to give you a message. And heaven is so great for believers because, yes, while there are angels there, God has something far greater, a position, a spot, a hope, a love, a, a perfection far greater than, what, than that of what the angels have. What we have, they long to look at. They long to see because it is, it is beyond their comprehension because they are not made or created or given the purposes or given the... Uh, they are not God's favored creation as mankind is. So yes, that might be a, a sweet sentiment to say, but if we're talking about a believer, then God has done so much more than making us an angel. And for us to consider believers going to heaven and becoming angels, we're robbing them of robbing ourselves of, of what God has truly promised, of what God has truly offered, and what God truly has waiting for us when we get home. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now.
We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your mercy. Father God, we thank you that... that God, we thank you that you've made us in your image. We thank you that you have loved us enough to send your son to die for us. We thank you that you have a promise and a home waiting for us that is far greater than what this world has to offer. And Father God, as as powerful and as as neat and as um, interesting to think about as the angels are, Father God, we understand and we know and we believe that what you have given to us and what you have promised to us far outweighs and exceeds everything that they have in their existence. Father God, we're thankful to be part of creation as they are. God, we're thankful to worship you as they do. Uh, But Father God, we also thank you, God, that you have made us different. And God, that you have offered us something that is far greater uh, and far bigger and far better uh, than being an angel. God, you have offered us to be the sons and daughters of God. Not just a servant, but a child. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.